Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Me and my grandpa were walking a deer trail along a five-foot-wide thicket with clear cuts on both sides. It was a peaceful day, with the sun shining through the trees and the sound of birds chirping in the distance. Little did we know that this walk would take a turn towards the mysterious and unknown. As we walked, engrossed in our conversation about hunting and the great outdoors, it was my grandfather who first noticed something strange. He abruptly stopped and muttered, what the bleep is that? His tone made me stop in my tracks and look in the direction he was pointing. There in the soft soil near the trail was the biggest footprint I had ever seen. It was deep and wide, easily twice the size of my own foot. The imprint resembled that of a giant creature, and I couldn't help but feel a shiver run down my spine. The kicker to all this was that it was my grandpa's last year of hunting. Due to a cataract in one eye, his doctor advised him to give up hunting. It was a bittersweet moment for him, as he had been an avid hunter his whole life. And now, in his final year, he stumbled upon something truly mysterious. Curiosity piqued, 
I began searching for any other signs that could lead us to the creature responsible for that enormous footprint. We scanned the surrounding area, looking for tracks, broken branches, or any other evidence of its presence. But to our dismay, we couldn't find anything else. Despite the lack of additional signs, the sighting had spooked me enough to shift my focus from searching for deer to searching for what made that track. I used to live in Spain because my father was a government official. We lived near an area that was frequented by pilgrims. I saw a few dead bodies while I was there. A lot of the pilgrims are really old, and they can't handle the physical toll the, the hike takes, so they suddenly drop dead, or they rest on the side of the road and they never wake up again. I once had the displeasure of seeing one of the corpses up close. The face on the dead woman was contorted. She looked terrified like death had taken her by surprise. As for supernatural, I remember in 2013 I got up early, and I traveled to a path that was frequented by pilgrims. I wanted to go stargazing, and there was relatively little light pollution out in the countryside. When I arrived at my usual spot, I noticed there was a man in brown robes not too far off in the distance. When I yelled a greeting towards him, he turned his face towards me. He was unnaturally pale as if he were a corpse or gravely ill. His eyes were bloodshot and he looked like he was crying. He said not a word to me and turned around again, continuing to stare off into the distance. I remained for a few minutes, but shivers kept running through my spine, and I decided I shouldn't be there so I left. Later that evening, a train derailed at Santiago de Compostela, which is the end point of the pilgrimage and 80 people died. I think this is all a coincidence, and I probably met some sleepy pilgrim. But I told my grandma, and she said it was the spirit of St. James the Muslim killer, as the pilgrim's path is dedicated to him. She says he was trying to warn me of the tragedy that was going to take place later that day. When I was younger, my dad and I went deep sea fishing all the time. The creepiest thing that ever happened to me was when we decided to do a little more surface fishing further out on the open ocean, rather than fish for grouper and whatnot. So I'm sitting with my feet off the edge of the boat, and my dad hooks a fish. It seems pretty big, based on the way it was pulling, so I look over to see if he needs help. Then something slowly brushes my legs. I look down and there was a 4-5 jeet barracuda brushing against my legs. I froze and seconds later it shot off. When my dad felt the line go slack, he started reeling in faster. The barracuda had bitten off most of the fish. It was only a mouth on a hook, really. Pretty creepy. When I was 12, I lived out in 29 Palms, California in the middle of the desert. One night around June 14, 2015, I remember being awake in the middle of the night to a black silhouette that was shaped just like a short gray. It was staring straight down at me and I was staring at its face. It had its hand on my forehead and its skin was so abnormally smooth, soft and warm. I was filled with pure love and tranquility. I intuitively knew that everything was going to be okay. My mind was completely clear of any thoughts, as if it was controlling my mind. And for some reason, it started making me count upward in my head. 
Once I got to three, I went unconscious. I eventually woke up again, still laying in bed, and everything in the room was the same except the entity was just gone. I sat up and immediately thought WTF was that and what just happened. I was able to think again and I was just so confused at what this all meant. I often question whether or not that intensely reassuring feeling was actually supposed to mean something, or if it was just a way for it to make me relax so it could do what it came to do. But I just don't understand why it seemed to have let me remember that moment instead of making me just forget the entire experience. I may not ever know. While backpacking through Yellowstone, my girlfriend and I found ourselves in grizzly territory for the first time. Black bears didn't bother us much, but grizzlies were a whole different story. After a tiring day of hiking, we set up camp for our second night. We cleaned up, had dinner, hung our scented items and food, and settled into bed. In the depths of my REM sleep, my girlfriend suddenly shook me awake, terrified by the sound of growling. Convinced that a bear had invaded our campsite, she had been gripped by fear. Instantly, I snapped awake, adrenaline coursing through my veins, ready for fight or flight. Without hesitation, I reached for the bear spray. For a tense minute, we sat in absolute silence, and then we heard the growling again. To our surprise, it wasn't a bear, it was something similar to Sasquatch. It was tall, hairy, bipedal, and human-like. Startled by our presence, he quickly fled the scene. It was November 2012 when I was working at a small gas station in Northeast Louisiana. We were the only small shop and 24-hour service station in miles, just off the highway. I worked the night shift. I loved it the sharing of stories with the traveling customers. That is when the rare customer showed up. It must have been around 3 and out. I was cleaning the floors and locking the beer coolers when suddenly the lights went out. I pulled out my cell and used it as a guiding light until I made it back to our counter where I kicked on the gas generator. It lit the parking lot, the bath, and the hall leading to the register. When I looked outside, I could just make out the movement of the trees across the street, but otherwise it was pitch black. I turned on the radio and started listening to a local station with its night owl DJ, commenting on the heavy winds and cracking jokes between songs. Suddenly I saw some figures in the dark. I could just make them out. They seemed to be a group of kids on bikes. There were three of them. Two of them dropped their bikes and made their way to the door where they just stood there staring at me. I just stared back for a moment, waiting for them to come in. They never did. I moved around the counter and opened the door. What's up, guys? Out kinda late, aren't you? I asked them, expecting them to come in. Can we use your phone? One asked, their heads tilted kinda low. I felt a little worried as I pulled my cell from my pocket and offered it to her. Sure, she looked at me, and then I saw her eyes, they were solid black, almost like ink-filled orbs. No, I need the real one, she said. Her face twisted into an angry snarl. I pulled the door closed and flipped the locks. No, no ma'am, you go home and get your mom's phone. They stared at me through the door for a minute longer before turning away and biking off. The next day I had my boss check the cameras to get the pictures of the creepy kids, but the cameras had been off the whole time. 
Now the cameras run off the generator instead of the hall lights. I never saw the kids again. Three roommates and I went over to a friend's apartment not far from campus, but on a set of apartments in the middle of nowhere. We were just sitting in the living room watching TV, and I got up to go put a glass in the sink. Know how there is usually a window over the sink in most kitchens. So I'm washing this glass out, the light is on. There are no blinds on the window, just a curtain. I hear a sound at the window, and I look up just in time to see a hand hit the glass flat. I was like 20 years old, but I know I must have squealed or did some kind of girly scream and the other three dudes came running in. I told them someone hit the glass. My buddy grabs his hunting rifle and we run outside. By this time, 60 seconds have probably already passed. We get outside and all we see is a bucket laying sideways under the window, along with the screen. There was a visible handprint on the window. Breakdown. Someone got a bucket to stand on, took the screen off the window and was trying to open it, when the bucket must have flipped from under them. Outside looking in, you could see through the kitchen and into the living room where we were sitting. This person would have easily seen me standing there, literally three feet from them on the other side of the window. There were four college-age guys inside, and this person was still trying to break in. One day in 23, I was walking down a bike path in the back of my house with my stepdaughter when I saw two boys leaning against their bikes up ahead. I didn't really think much about it since it is a bike path until one of the kids raised his head up and looked me straight in the eye. That's when fear struck me so hard I was stopped dead in my tracks. His eyes were black and hollow like he didn't have a soul. It was like looking at pure evil. At least that's the way I described it when I recounted the incident later that evening to my husband and my other daughter. I immediately led my stepdaughter off the path, cut through someone's yard, and walked out to the street. I didn't know what I had encountered at the time, but now I am quite sure it was the black-eyed children. I don't know what they are, but I know they are dangerous. It was so weird I thought that my stepdaughter would also be aware of what I perceived to be impending danger but she was completely oblivious, even when I led her off the path and onto the street. I somehow knew I had to get out of there now. Surprisingly, they appeared normal in every other aspect, except for the eyes, of course, and a vague awareness that they didn't quite fit into the environment. I only saw the eyes of one of them because the other kid had his back on me. He looked to be around 13 or 14, flannel shirt and jeans, and a swarthy complexion. Now that I have been reading about these encounters, it piques my curiosity, but I wouldn't want to run into them again. Not my story, but a colleague's of mine. My colleague was responding to a call to check up on a camper. When he had pulled up, he noticed all the lights were out, which was strange considering the call was only made a few moments prior. When this ranger approached the tent, there was nothing, not a sound. It was as if everybody in the campsite had completely disappeared, leaving only him by himself. He was puzzled and not sure why somebody would make the call of this campsite and then be completely deserted. Then he described what he could hear as a weird growling noise with kind of a chewing sound. 
He shines his light over in the direction of this noise and sees this tiny three-foot-tall furry humanoid thing standing there that reminded him of a chimpanzee. He was completely startled and nearly falling backwards on his behind. This thing also had a very surprised expression on its face. Not really sure what to do, it quickly ran off, scurrying between the branches and the trees and going at about 30 miles an hour. My colleague claims that it looked partly human, a brow ridge and a nose very much like a human does, but the rest of the face was almost covered in hair and reminded him very much of an ape. Besides the nose and the brow ridge, the eyes were also all black too, and it did not appear to be violent or aggressive in any way. As it turns out, the campers at this campsite were being harassed by this tiny little humanoid ape thing, which is the reason why they left soon after they made the call. Apparently, this thing was trying to get into one of their tents in which they were scared and got in their car and deserted their camp. After speaking to a few friends of mine who were heavily into cryptozoology, they all believe that a juvenile Sasquatch was responsible. Under the chilling midnight sky, my friend Dell and I drove along a desolate road, enveloped in an eerie silence. Unbeknownst to us, a life-altering encounter awaited. As our eyes scanned the darkness, a graceful four-point deer emerged, captivating our attention with its beauty. Little did we know, this sighting was merely a prelude to something far more extraordinary. On the left, the deer vanished into the shadows, diverting our gaze to the right. Dim moonlight revealed a figure that sent shivers down our spines a towering bipedal dogman. Its immense size filled us with a primal fear that transcended the limits of our understanding. Traversing the road, the creature's passage stirred the thick line of trees, setting them in motion. We stood transfixed, unable to avert our eyes from this mysterious being that defied explanation. It possessed an allure that was both enchanting and terrifying, hinting at an existence beyond our grasp. In that fleeting moment, a sense of otherworldliness saturated the air. The dogman's powerful stride seemed to bridge the gap between our reality and the unknown. Its presence invoked a mixture of awe and fear, captivating our senses with its enigmatic nature. Despite our yearning for clarity, the darkness concealed the creature's details. Yet, even in the absence of certainty, we recognized that we had borne witness to something extraordinary, a being that transcended the boundaries of our everyday existence. As the dogman dissolved into the night, our minds teemed with unanswered questions. Who was it? Where did it come from? This encounter ignited a fervent curiosity within us, driving us to explore the hidden enigmas lurking in the shadows. Since that bewitching moment, the memory of our encounter has etched itself permanently in our minds. The indelible mark left by the bipedal dogman serves as a reminder that our world is brimming with mysteries beyond the limits of our perception awaiting discovery. I was on our property in the Mount Hood National Forest in Western Oregon. I was making a new access road for equipment to get through and had been cutting with my chainsaw for some time when I decided to take a break. I pulled my earplugs out, which I normally leave in my ears. I sat there inspecting my work. Suddenly, something started crunching through the thick brush from down over the hillside in my direction straight at me. At first, I thought it was an elk, 
but the equipment noise should have kept the area clear of most animals, and I could tell it was cumbersome and lumbered along on two feet. I started straining my eyes to see what was coming through the thicket as it approached and got closer with every step. Finally, by the sound, I knew I should be seeing it because it wasn't more than 50 feet in the brush, but I couldn't make out any dark forms at all. It was November and all the leaves were gone off the trees and plants, so I had visibility of 200 feet. Suddenly, it came to a stop. It all went silent, extremely silent. There were no typical forest noises of any kind. I could feel that I was being watched, but why couldn't I see it? Anyway, I got tired of whatever was playing games. I put my earplugs back in, fired up my saw, and went back to work, keeping my eyes down low just in case it let itself be seen. I knew it was watching me, but I wasn't going to give it the satisfaction of freaking me out. I trust the Lord to keep me safe, and that thing knew it. I did. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Didn't have anything else happen that day. But when I returned the next morning, something had taken all the brush I had stacked in piles along the new road and scattered it back in my way. Again, upon noticing this, I was peering through the woods around me with my senses on edge. When my two dogs came out to visit me, they quietly walked up behind me and stepped on some branches breaking them. I about jumped into the next county. I went back to work restacking the brush and nothing more happened. About six months later though, I was in an area not far from there where I had been cutting all day, trying to get a section out of an old growth fir log for carving. It was getting close to dusk, and I had my old Chevy pickup parked not far from me, about 40 feet away. I was preoccupied with what I was doing at the moment. But as I let my saw start a new cut down through the five-foot log, I glanced over at my truck, and there standing alongside it, between me and the car, was a massive being, all black or dark brown and staring at me. I cursed under my breath because I really wasn't looking for a visit now. My truck is hot blue, so this thing stood out really well against it. That rig is on 35-inch tires, 
a six-inch lift with the top of the cab being about seven feet tall, and this thing's head was quickly a foot taller than the truck. I didn't stare at it or want to make a lot of eye contact with it, but I noticed it was about four feet wide at the shoulders, and its arms hung down to its knees. It was very hairy and very solid. I'm no judge, but I'm assuming it had to have been at least 600 pounds if not more. The second I saw this thing standing there a cold shiver ran down me, but I didn't want it to think I saw it so I turned back to focus on my cutting. I didn't want to look back or head over to see if it was still there. It was now it was about 10 feet closer to me and standing more to my left near the hood of my truck. I could feel my heart pounding and I was getting a cold sweat too, but I went back to focusing on my work. I didn't look back for several minutes knowing that things could show up next to me or behind me without warning. I find the best thing to do is focus on what I'm doing and not look around and don't get let my imagination run away with me. It's easy to do out there in the dark with those Bigfoot being curious and coming around. I looked back up after five minutes and it was gone, thank God. But I'm sure it was standing in the dark there somewhere and I wasn't about to look around for it. I finished my work there, packed my tools, and headed to the house without anything more occurring. The next day I went back, but after that I tried to get back before dusk. I had previously thought that they were kind of shy, but not after what I've seen. They're curious and will show up even if equipment or machinery is running. One summer, several years ago, I was spending an evening with a friend over in Washington at a rock pit we used to camp at quite a bit. Over a decade ago, she had her own encounters with the Bigfoot in which one walked up to her and her brother in the forest on Mount Hood. They were armed with the R-15s, but were both frozen in fear. It got within five feet of them and just locked eyes with her. It was a nine to ten foot male and watched her intently for about a minute before turning its head and disappearing into the trees. They literally looked and looked for it, but it had vanished. This encounter happened in broad daylight. Anyway, they are amazing creatures. So this happened three years ago when I was living with my parents in Medici, Wyoming. Super small and secluded. It was Halloween and my parents decorated the house and we expected about three, four kids to show up as the house is about a mile from a subdivision and parents usually drive their kids. At eight, I took in the chair with candy because I figured no one else would be coming around. I'm in the basement where there are no windows and very little sound can get out, and it's about 11. All the lights upstairs are shut off because I'm going to bed. I hear a knock at the side door, which no one ever knocks at. I go upstairs and the floodlight, which usually turns on automatically, wasn't on. So I flipped on the other light that lights up the basketball hoop area. There's a person in one of those old man masks that have the crazy hair just standing there. He is just looking at the house. He sprints to the back where the patio is. I hear loud banging on the back windows. Honestly, the loudest kicking I've ever heard. I rush over and the person is just staring. Then he runs away and I do tea hear anything for five minutes or so. Then I start hearing the knob to the main door being forcefully jiggled back and forth. I ran upstairs to the bedroom and went to the crawl space in the attic. I immediately dialed 911. This was the first time I ever dialed 911, so I don't know what I was expecting. 
but the operator didn't seem to be very shocked or wanting to send out a car very quickly. I remember repeating my address like 12 times and the lady kept saying, calm down, sir. She wants me to stay on the line, but I'm afraid if the guy got in, he would know where I was because of my voice. I hang up and I can hear the knob being slammed like he had a hammer or something. I'm having a full-on panic attack and I'm wheezing trying to get air. Then I hear the side door original door being kicked super hard. At this point I'm shaking so bad the dust from the floorboards is flying up in the air. I hear a window smash and I immediately know he's going to get in. I hold my breath which makes the wheezing worse. I'm going to die. I'm listening to hear footsteps or anything. Nothing. The actual amount of time I spent up there was around 16 minutes. I swear it was an hour. An officer showed up and pounded on the door. I ran downstairs and flipped open the door. I told him everything as well as the backup sheriffs that got there. They all kept saying a friend was probably just trying to scare me. I had no friends in Wyoming. None. They looked around the house and wrote down some shit, but nothing really happened. They left and I drove behind them to Cody, Wyoming and got a hotel room. I still can't sleep without all the lights on and a .45 on my dresser. Hello. I read some of your Ouija board stories. I have one that I believe proves that these boards can become haunted. My father used to buy things from eBay, then sell it at their actual price. One day he purchased an old Ouija board. Its box portrayed it as a game, fun for the whole family. None of my siblings played with it though and neither did I. Then a few days after the board arrived, weird things started to happen even though no one touched the board. It was on a shelf in the garage. One night, the first of many nights, I woke at 3.33 a.m. exactly. I woke up scared for no reason. No nightmare, just scared with a very bad feeling. I'd always just lay there awake, then turn over and try to go back to sleep. This first night, I turned over and tried to go back to sleep. But when I turned and laid my head on my pillow, I immediately heard a man's voice that said directly into the ear, go back to sleep. I jumped up and woke my sister who shared a room with me. I was crying and terribly scared. The voice wasn't my father's. No man another than my father lived with us. Another day at home, I was watching a movie alone. I paused the movie and took the remote with me to the bathroom. When I came back to disc was out and place on the table next to the TV. The disc drive on the Xbox was open and my room was tossed all over. It was a mess. Another time in the same house, I left the kitchen and heard something behind me. When I turned, I saw a man in a red flannel shirt behind me, though I heard no doors open. I ran from him and turned back around and he was gone. My father soon sold the board and we moved soon after. I've had nothing weird or paranormal happen since. This story takes place during a rafting trip on the Deschutes River in central Oregon. My girlfriend and I had decided to drive down from the Seattle area for the famous salmon fly hatch. With that being said, due to the timing of the year, there's a ton of people on the water. Guides doing day trips, as well as other folks like my girlfriend, and I spending a couple days fishing, floating, and camping. 
Our first day of the trip goes by pretty poorly. I had a crappy boat and no idea what I was doing. Dry bags leaked, I hit a rock and got us a sizable leak, and then had forgotten the bucket so I spent the rest of the trip bailing out the boat with a water bottle non-stop. So needless to say, we're both pretty frustrated and tired, and as the day turns to dusk we're scouting out any possible spot to throw our tent up for the evening and get out of that crappy boat. Finally things are looking up for us, we come up on this beautiful stretch of water with a small island, diverting the river into two flows, with the main flow going along the deep left channel at a pretty good clip. On the right side bank a big clearing surrounded by tall grasses. This is where we chose to make camp for the night. We do some fishing, cook, and decide to lay down for bed and read until it's time to really go to sleep at full dark. Going out to take a leak nobody as far as I could see or hear had decided to camp anywhere near us, and prior to a few boats floating on by while we set up camp as far as we knew, we were alone. That's when the music started. At first it sounded almost faintly like someone was throwing a rave with dance music and the like. My girlfriend and I looked at each other like, what the hell? But we chalked it up to the wind carrying sound from far away because at this point the music was still intermittent. It gets louder and louder and now we can make out the music except it's not. You know that feeling when someone is blasting the bass out of their car subwoofers and you can feel it in your chest and in your head? We're feeling their, whoever they are, music through the ground as we're trying to sleep. And all we can hear is this unworldly, jarring collection of disjointed bass or drum notes coming through the ground. It doesn't resemble any music I've ever heard, or even any sort of beat you could dance to. By midnight or 1am we're starting to getting really damn pissed off. It has been since around 10pm since they started, and so that's when I finally decide to go find whoever the hell they are and shut down that damn noise. I have one of those really powerful headlights that lets you output like 1E500 lumens for a short burst, and it really just lights up the whole damned countryside for hundreds of feet. So all pissed off I jump out of the tent and turn up my headlight of doom, and I'm just furiously scanning everywhere I can see. Up and down the river, behind us as far as I can on our own bank, across clear to the other bank, and the little island in the middle. And there's not a single thing in sight complete pitch darkness. I turn off my headlight to see if I was washing out any light and I stand there for about 10 minutes to see if my eyes adjust and see anything. Absolutely nothing at all and this maddening noise is going on endlessly. At this point I realize it's the same three disjointed songs playing over and over endlessly. My girlfriend starts crying because she's exhausted from the bass rattling our skulls while our heads on laying down on our pillows. We're unable to sleep for hours as this thing continues on through the night. Finally, sometime around 4.35 a.m., it must have stopped and we both drifted off to sleep. I have a hard time sleeping and so I woke up by myself at around 6.37 and I roll out of bed furious, once more just going out to go see if I can find whatever bastards were making that noise all night long. We never saw or found any sign of those people. We waited until about 9 a.m. slowly breaking camp after eating breakfast before we rode out in the main current and back road to try to get a good look at the other side of the small island, and we saw no signs of people. The only reasonable theory we have is that sometime after we went to bed, 
Some folks floated down to the far side of the little island and threw some sort of party ritual all through the night and somehow slipped out between 4.30 and 6.30 a.m. If I wasn't with my girlfriend and she hadn't corroborated as well, I would have thought I was going insane. Just one long, maddening, sleepless night full of the same noise over and over, with no evidence before, during, or after that it ever happened. I was at a summer camp that separated boys from the girls. We would normally sleep in separate cabins, however this being a nice night, our counselors decided it would be nice to camp outside. Being overly tested or in high schoolers given new freedom of the outdoors, we decided to separate from our supervision and beeline for the girls' campsite. Upon successfully reaching their site and being dumbfounded at what to do, we decided that throwing miscellaneous items into the fire, creating subsequent explosions would be a good icebreaker. Unfortunately, due to our brilliance, we were quickly brought back to our camp and separated from the girls. Not being discouraged, we decided to regroup and try again. As we began to leave for their sight again, we heard an extremely loud bang, as if from a high-caliber rifle. The sound was followed by another bang, followed by silence. We all became paralyzed, unsure what to do. Was it from the girls' sight? We were too afraid to find out. We could see a flashlight in the distance mulling around the area. I only remember lying quietly, barely able to sleep, joking with fellow campers who would get shot first if that bang was indeed from a gun. The next morning we woke up, alive and very confused to what had happened. I actually only found out what had happened when I got home from camp. A man had shot his ex at a house right by the campsite we were staying that night. What stood out to me the most, other than aforementioned, was an interview with a neighbor who didn't call the police right away, because she figured the sound was from some stupid kids blowing up things at a campsite. I led a small expedition of 12 Marines, tasked with recovering a downed aircraft rumored to have encountered a massive, unknown sea creature. It was a mission shrouded in mystery, and our team was a mix of experienced soldiers and unique individuals. One such individual was Jack, a fellow Marine who, in his free time, embraced his love for gambling and dabbled in the world of acting. We descended into the depths, our hearts pounding with anticipation. The murky waters swallowed us whole, enveloping us in a realm where light struggled to penetrate. We maneuvered cautiously, scanning the underwater landscape, until our eyes widened in disbelief. There it was a sunken aircraft resting on the ocean floor. As we swam closer to investigate, the sense of danger grew palpable. Suddenly, without warning, a colossal aquatic predator materialized before us. Its sheer size defied all logic, dwarfing even the wreckage of the downed aircraft. The beast's enormous jaws gaped wide, revealing rows of razor-sharp teeth that gleamed menacingly in the dim light. Panic and chaos ensued as the creature lunged towards us, its fury unleashed. The water churned with violence as we fought desperately to survive. Harpoons were thrown with precision, aiming for vulnerable spots, while gunfire echoed through the depths. Jack, with his quick thinking, managed to shoot the creature directly in its eyes, momentarily stunning it. Exploiting the creature's temporary vulnerability, 
we launched our final assault. Grenades were hurled with deadly accuracy, finding their mark in the creature's gaping maw. The water erupted in a cataclysmic explosion as the beast thrashed in its death throes. It was a battle of survival, a fight against an ancient leviathan that threatened to unleash chaos upon the world. But victory came at a devastating cost. Ten of my comrades, brave marines who had faced the unimaginable with unwavering resolve, met their untimely end in the jaws of the creature. Only Jack and I emerged from the depths, battered but alive. As we floated in the water, a mixture of relief and sorrow washed over us. The beast that had haunted us had been vanquished, but the sacrifice of our fallen comrades would forever weigh heavy on our hearts. We resurfaced, the sun welcoming us back into its warm embrace. The ocean, once a serene backdrop, now held the memories of a battle fought and lives lost. With the mission complete, we returned to our base, determined to honor the fallen.